So while I was praying some days ago, I felt like I need to just do very, very short teaching about giving and then show you about what your giving produces besides just keeping the building going here, the church. I was thinking here, I'm so proud of you all. I really thank God because the way you sing. You know, I go to churches around the country and the world and a lot of times maybe 20% of the church is singing. That's the truth. It's a gig. It's a, it's a concert. The praise and worship team is up there singing, but the people are kind of clapping and looking. That's everywhere that you go. Those watching online, maybe you know about that too, but not here with you. You all are lit. Praise God. You are fire. And the way you sing, and that's the way it should be. Because praise and worship is not performance up here. It's all of us singing to God. Come on, how many say amen to that? Let's clap our hands. Pastors who visit here will say to me, how do you get the people, do you and Carol train them? How do you get them to sing so loud? And we don't. We never say a word to you except Sue encourages you and others. Let's sing to the Lord because when we do praise and worship, he's the audience. You're not the audience. I'm not the audience. We don't sing for each other. We sing for him. How many love to sing for him? Okay. Now, it's the same way with giving. So when we give, we give to him. The money is for him. And there's just this little two-verse picture about how the Lord looks at giving. So let's just look at it. It's found in Luke. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he says to the disciples, This poor widow has put in more than all the others. That makes no sense mathematically. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So Jesus, what do we learn from this? Number one, numero uno, we learn Jesus is watching what all of us give. He was watching everyone at the temple, and some high rollers were putting in their money And he was watching the bigger gifts, the smaller gifts. So he knows what we're all giving today. But notice what his main observation was. It's not what you give, it's what you have to start with. Some of us have more than others. There's not social economic equality in this building. Some have more, you watching online. So he knew that some out of their wealth were giving what they should have given. Obviously, if you make uh, $400,000 a year, you're going to give more than, hopefully, than someone who makes $40,000 a year. So the Lord is looking at what you have, not what you don't have, what you have. So he knows what all of us have. And then what means something to him is the proportionality of what we give out of what we have. And this lady, for some reason, astounded him, that's not a good word, impressed him because she put in just two copper coins, but he knew, being God, he knew that was all she had. Now, what would make a woman, I've been thinking about that for a couple of days, what would make a woman put in everything she had? I mean, what blessing came? What prompting, what love for the Lord would let her take all she had? I know to you it wasn't much. If you saw it, you'd go, that's nothing. But the Lord says, no, it's not the amount. It's what it means to your life. 
So some of you, if you gave $50 or $100, and we need to give more uh, uh, more regularly here and more faithfully. We've had a couple of weeks in a row here. I noticed that, and maybe it's my, my bad, because we don't take offerings anymore. We don't, you know, pass the basket. And we do it, uh, you know, as you leave now, you can give online, but sometimes that rushes it, and we don't give it its proper importance. Giving is important to God. Do I get a witness here? God loves a... Let's strike out cheerful for a second. God loves a giver because he's a giver. Now, that we do it cheerfully and not have to be browbeaten and forced and coerced. And there's all these swindlers, especially on Christian television, and they're running a scam on the people, promising them things that are not in the Scripture just to get their money. And that's not the way to give. You don't want to be scammed. You want to give because you love the Lord. So I just want to encourage you. I've been blessed. I grew up in a house. My mom, even though my dad was drinking from the time I was... 12, 13, and passed after I got married. He never made my wedding, but my mom hung in there. But she was a giver, and before he started drinking, he was a giver, and then when he came back to the Lord, he became a giver again. But my mother, just steady, she would give. That was an example to me. Even with all that pressure on her and her husband beating on her, and I couldn't always protect her. I was too little until I got old enough I remember one time, I'm just, this thought just came to me. He has just started drinking on this good day, and he went to hit me. But I had grown up, I was playing ball in the playground, and I got to the age where I just grabbed his hand, and I held it, and I said, you can't do that anymore. And he went, I can't? <laughs> and he went away like depressed. I can't, hit my, I can't hit my son anymore. But I was celebrating like, yes. She kept giving. She was a giver. Be a giver. If you trust the word of God, if you want my testimony, you can't outgive God. He will provide. Come on, everyone who believes it, let's clap. All right. Just remember that. This is not something to just get through. And we hardly mention giving here, but this is really important for you, not just see the bills paid. But it's more than the bills paid. We took money that you had given and we sent it to Malawi. Malawi is in southeastern Africa, one of the poorest countries in Africa, one of the poorest countries in the world. And we oversee, the church here oversees a church there in Malawi. The pastor and his wife are dear to us. And Pastor Park, did you build a, a, a learning center there too? A medical center. So the people come not just to the church, they come from medical, oh, that's right. He moved it to the village area, but this is a, a church is special. So they needed sound equipment. They didn't have proper sound. So we took money from you, our money, you gave it, and look what you made possible in Malawi. Chairs, first of all, they needed, wait, wait, they needed some chairs. I'm talking about chairs right there. Are they beautiful? And now... You made possible all those wires. Thank God for those wires. Look at it with the microphones. And let's see. Come on now. We're talking drums. We're talking about, look, at, look, how, look how nice that church is. Isn't that a nice church? No, that's pretty. That is nice. And then finally, we just got one more. That's a big old speaker. Let's thank God that we were able to do that. Praise God. 
remember now as you give, as you leave, and, and whether you're going to the 50s Fellowship or the, or the Welcome Center, just remember that the importance of giving. Life is a wonderful thing, as spiritual life has, you know, is a counterpart of biological life. And to have life, to have a baby, to see a new offspring. My grandson, Luke, and his wife, Emily, are expecting a baby, baby boy on Christmas Day. Luke would have a baby on Christmas Day, wouldn't he? <laughs> Nothing just normal about that guy. So we're thinking of names for him. Well, they're going to pick the names. But as beautiful as babies are and life is, you can start to feel a little strange when you see the baby at six months, a year, year and a half, two years, and the baby's not growing. There's a picture up in my office that I have from Japan, and my assistant is from Japan, Nina. But this person I met before I met Nina, and she's a woman who writes me regularly, sends me things from Japan. She's being cared for by a Christian. I don't know how we, oh, when we were in Japan, we met the lady who cares for her. And she is 40, 35, and she's this big. She has this rare disease where if you see her, she looks like a doll. She looks like a doll, a large doll. Obviously, something's wrong because she's not growing. That can happen spiritually, too. We have new life, but there are people who never grow, and they get a little weird because they're not growing. Remember where Paul, the apostle Paul says to a church, when I was with you, I couldn't give you meat. I wanted to give you meat. I had prime rib. I had the whole thing. I had to give you milk. Why? Your babies. When Luke and Emily had that baby boy, you know, two weeks later, they can't bring in some ribs or steak. No, why? Babies can't eat that. So the problem with this church, though, and maybe it's for some of you too, Paul was saying, I wanted to give you, you know, real substantial food. I couldn't because your baby, like your, your, your perpetual babies, you're not growing in your faith. You're not growing. So we want to all grow. Amen? How are you going to help other people if you're still a baby after serving the Lord 10 years? You can't help anyone because you're just fumbling and struggling and all of that. And then that's not good. And there's a lot of immature believers. And then we do carnal things and we make more problems than we bring blessings. So we all want to grow. All in favor of growing, say I. To grow, though, you have to grow in your faith and you have to understand something about God which immature babies don't understand about God. And I want to help you here today. I want to pray at the end and help people here today who are going through some of these situations. When Moses was raised up by God to go to Pharaoh in Egypt, the Israelites, hundreds of thousands at least, some say 1.2 million, whatever, he went to Pharaoh and said, let my, thus saith the Lord, the God, the creator of the universe, let my people go. Pharaoh pushed back. The plagues came, 10 plagues, because of Pharaoh's hard-heartedness and then finally, on Passover night, the last plague came. The next to the last was darkness. Then the death of the firstborn, and Israel was released. And they were chased out of Egypt. And they started heading north, east, north, to go toward the promised land that God had made a promise to Abraham. I'm going to give you that land. 
They were heading north, and God was leading them, and he led them to the Red Sea. And this was very weird, because they were being led by the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire uh, at night, pillar of cloud during the day, and here they got hemmed in at the Red Sea. God opened the Red Sea, and they got through. And the Exodus tells us they were high-fiving, having a party, celebration, And Moses, there's a long thing in Exodus, a long song of Moses where he just praises God out loud. Then after that, Miriam, Aaron, uh, Moses' sister, Aaron's sister, the three of them were siblings. Miriam leads the women out, and it's just a two-verse song, and they begin to sing and dance and play whatever with tambourines, and they sing, sing to the Lord. And for he has done great things. The horse and the rider he has thrown in the sea. And then everyone's just celebrating. I mean, after 400 years. We're talking 400 years of slavery for the people of God. And now they've been set free. And then comes this weird little paragraph, which makes you scratch your head if you analyze it. Let's look at it and see what we can learn. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. Sounds like the Hebrew word bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. And he threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. And then finally, verse 27, Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs, water, and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So let me get this straight. Let's look at it location-wise. They come out of Egypt. Now, What's important to remember is they didn't choose what path they wanted to go. They were led by God every step. In fact, it says earlier on in Exodus chapter 13, after leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. Etham. That's a good name for a boy, isn't it? Etham Petri. All in favor say aye. No, you're not behind that name. On the edge of the desert, by the day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light. So just when they got out of Egypt, they didn't have to decide anything. During the day, there was a pillar of cloud, a cloud, but significant cloud. At night, because you couldn't see a cloud at night, it became fiery, so that was the pillar of fire. When it moved, they moved. When it stayed, they stayed. When it went left, company left, and everybody went left. You get it? And they went right. This is sideways. So they're being led by God, and the minute they come out of the Red Sea and they get through rejoicing, God leads them to a place that has no water. That's what it said, didn't it? Hello, are you still listening to me or no? Led by God... They go into a desert. Go back to that first verse there that we had. 
because the people have forgotten it here. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And then when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So let me get this. God's leading them. And they're in the desert. And they have a hard time. It's difficult. There's trouble. Why? No water. But God's leading them. Sometimes God leads you and permits trouble to come in your life. They were being led by God. Now, sometimes you have trouble because you caused your own trouble. I caused my own trouble. So let's, re- let's look at this. There are times of troubles. Listen, life has seasons. Not everything is a New Year's Eve party. How many of you find, even since you're a Christian, you've gone through a season? It's been difficult. Come on, lift your hand. Come on, lift them up high. Okay, I can tell you my own testimony. If my wife, she's back. She's not here in this service. She'll be here later. We tell you, we've had wonderful high moments, God supplying all kinds of things, beautiful service. We have some hard times, hard times, difficult times, not knowing how we'll pay our bills when we first started. Then, then the church, as it grew, how do you pay bills, millions of dollars and all these things? Hard times, testing. The offerings don't improve. They get, they get worse. So we learn now there are seasons in life, but some trouble comes because of sowing and reaping. We make bad decisions. Some of you might be in trouble today and going through a hard time, not because God led you there. It's because our own lack of wisdom, our own carnality, our selfishness has led us into a time of trouble. Yeah, you got family against you and you, my family's against me. Yeah, analyze how you talk to them and treat them. Then you'll know why they're against you. God is not simplistic. There's some trouble we get into because of our own doing. What a man sows, he shall also. So we do bad sowing, we're going to reap trouble. So let's not put that on God. Let's get it right. Let's humble ourselves. I'm in trouble right now because I have, I'm in debt because I can't control those credit cards. That's not, oh God, look what the devil's doing to me. Devil didn't do that to you. Your visa did that to you. Your MasterCard. Goodness, you talk to people, they make everything the devil. You got to know that. If you're in trouble going through a hard time today, I don't want to be simplistic. Sometimes we bring this stuff on ourselves. Am I correct or not? We just lack wisdom and we get the fruit of it. But this is different. This is God leading them into a season of hardship. Oh, yes. There are seasons in life, my friend. And God doesn't want us to panic the minute it gets a little hard. That's what babies do. Grown-up people say, it ain't all that. Tears might be for the night, but joy is coming. Come on, let's clap our hands. Joy is coming in the morning. My son-in-law, Pastor Brian, he went to VMI, Virginia Military Institute. I spent a year at the Naval Academy. There's plebe year where they just harass you, hassle you, just try to run you to the ground. But you understand it is what it is. This is what everybody goes through. So you don't bite your nails and you don't panic. You go, wait a minute. Every naval officer who ever came out of the Naval Academy went through plebe year, freshman year, where the upperclassmen haze you, H-A-Z-E, haze you and just do all kinds of things to you. But you know this is not forever. There's another side of this. 
So if you're here today and you're serving the Lord and you're not living in sin and you, you, you're sincere and walking in the light the best you know how and you're going a difficult time, I have a great reminder to you. Everybody goes through seasons like that. Come on, everybody who's ever been through that difficult season, lift your, wave it at it. Come on, wave it, wave it. Hard time. But why? God knows what he's doing. He wants to strengthen your faith. He wants to strengthen my faith. How in the world would your faith and my faith get stronger if we never have a struggle? If we never have a difficult time? How are we going to help other people who are going through stuff if we've never gone through it and we can tell them, listen, God brought me through that time in the desert. There was no water around. And I'm going to tell you, something. he brought me out. He's going to bring you through. How do you know? Because he did it for me. Come on, God wants to give you a testimony. You can't have a testimony until you have a test. Don't panic. It's not the end of the world. You will live and not die. But they were babies. So a little thirst, they're in the desert. And that time of testing brought out some, um, some difficult. But listen, look what Paul went through. We do not want you to be uninformed, the apostle says, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Anyone ever been under pressure? Far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God permits stuff testing and trials so you and I can learn to grow up and have more faith. Resistance builds muscles. That's why they do bicep curls. The weight fights against the arm muscle, but the arm muscle fights against the weight and that's how you develop strength. So if you're going through something today, praise God anyhow. That's what I say, praise God anyhow. You gotta learn to praise God when it's not comfortable. Babies only are happy when they're happy. And the minute things are negative, babies just, yeah, mommy. We got to get mature enough to say, all right, this is not easy. This is hard, but I mean, God permitted it. He led me to this. See, the cloud was there. The pillar fire was there. They weren't off out of God's will. So then, after a time of testing and walking in the desert, guess what happens? They see water. Woo! Guys are high-fiving going wild, look at the waters. And they race to the waters. And it's so bitter they can't drink it. And they look up, yeah, there's the cloud. He led us to disappointment. God leads you to times, permits disappointment so that he can show you how great he is. You're not liking this today, are you? No, no, I know. What do you want me to do? You want me to tell you lies? How many since you've been a Christian, you've had some major disappointments? Come on. People, I got someone better, yourself. I've been my biggest disappointment. People have done mean things to me and to my wife. But the biggest disappointment in my life has been me. And God permits it. I mean, how would you like to have been Jesus and you're preaching and on the edge of the crowd, they're not saying amen. They're saying, we're going to kill him. We got to kill him. We got to find one of his disciples who will betray him. How would you like that? Is it nice? You think that was pleasant? How about the Garden of Gethsemane? Was that pleasant? If we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. In life, there are seasons of disappointment. Don't think the world has ended. The sky is not falling. You're just going through a time of disappointment. Look, 
Everyone raised their hand. You've been through disappointments and he brought you through. He's gonna bring you through this disappointment. Can we say amen to that? So the devil is always whispering, look, where's your God? Look at this hardship you're going through or disappointment. Look what they're doing to you. Look what they're saying. And, and now the world is so cruel. Oh, I got to pray for anyone who's going to have a baby here, Luke and Emily and anyone else, to raise kids in this social media atmosphere. Is this the meanest, most hateful world you have ever seen? If you agree with me, just lift your hand. This is the most hateful, meanest thing I have ever seen or heard. God led them to a place where it was hard. Then God led them to a place of disappointment. Maybe you're there today. Someone has just stuck it in your back, walked out on you, or walked out on you five years ago, and you still haven't gotten over it. You got to turn the page and start another chapter. You read that old stuff, you're going to go crazy. It is what it is. There's disappointments in life. I'm thinking about the Apostle Paul and the last letter that he wrote is 2 Timothy and the last paragraphs of that he wrote. Listen to what he said as, as I get ready to close. He said, uh, Timothy, so I want you to know, Demas, one of his associate pastors, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. That must have been hard. A trusted associate that he named in other letters, a good man of God, bit the dust, forsook Paul. So a man told me many years ago, Jim, remember this. Paul doesn't say nothing hurts me. He says nothing moves me. We get lots of hurts in life. It's what you're going to do with that hurt. Are you going to let the enemy use that hurt to knock you down and make you cynical and take away your joy? Or are you going to learn, yeah, That was really nasty what he said or did. But guess what? I will bless the Lord at all times. Come on, let's put our hands together one more time. His praise will continually be in my mouth. That's what maturity is versus children. Children are just complaining and immature Christians are like that. Just a bumblebee goes by and they start to complain. Come on, you know them. And and we don't want that for our lives. That's not pleasing to the Lord. God did not like that. So with this disappointment, guess what happens? They do something that we've all done. They get mad at the first person they can find. I've had a hardship, but God led us. I know, I don't want to know about that. The desert's hot. I like 70 with low humidity. This is a desert. I know, but the cloud, you see the cloud? I know, but... I don't want to talk about that. Then you get a bitter disappointment at Marah. But God was just the one showing them. They turn on Moses. I'm like, Moses, what's he supposed to do? Produce water? But that's how we are. We get mad at our wife or a husband or a pastor or a leader or a politician because we're babies. We can't leave it with God. We got to get mad at somebody. And now they're getting mad at Moses. In some of these little tantrums they had, they even said to Moses, why'd you take us out of Egypt? When we were back there, we had garlic, leeks, roti, oxtail. We had all that stuff. And now you have us out here, what? That's in the book. You know that, right? Why? Because they were babies. Come on, God wants to help us today. I don't want to be a baby. Do you want to be a baby? I want to grow up so God can say, look, my my children are growing. They're being mature. 
The test of maturity is not when you're on the mountaintop. Stop that. The test of maturity is what do you do when you're in the desert and there's no water? Better. Then he leads you to water and you can't drink it because it's bitter. And they went from high-fiving to just yelling at Moses. Who are you yelling at in your spirit today? Who are you mad at? Because life isn't working out the way you wanted it to. But I just read somewhere the steps of a righteous man ordered by the Lord. Even the disappointments. Two people who I were not looking for at all in the last 25 years got to meet me, contacted me, and promised to bless this church in sums of tens of millions of dollars. I reported it, the board knew about it, and I I went along and they were promising and then both turned out to be totally fraudulent. You know someone's not gonna give you 30 million when they ask you for a loan. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) When someone says to you, you got a couple hundred I could hold, that, that, that ain't a good sign. How many say amen? But listen, I was so anxious and, and uh, or wanting to clear all our bills and whatever. Oh, it was like a knife. How many have ever been let down by somebody? Big time. Lift your hand. Only lift your hand if it's big time. Big time. They turn on Moses and they start screaming at him. And he goes to God and says, God, who are these people you're telling me to lead? He says this many times to God. Like, where'd you find these people, God? (laughs) And God shows him a piece of wood and says, throw the wood in the water. See, God doesn't need, he can turn bitter things into sweet in a second. And they learned that. And they just, he threw a piece of wood in and now they're all drinking it. No, but this is the hard part. Wait a minute, God, we saw him do 10 plagues in Egypt. We saw him open the Red Sea, and now he's going to kill us from lack of water in the desert. That's why he took us through all of that, so he could kill us. How insane is that? And that's how we are when we're bitter and we worry and we cry like little children because it's a little hard for a while. Endure hardship like a good soldier, Paul says to Timothy. Soldiers can't be babies. They got to be soldiers. When you have to stand watch at night and and be vigilant, you can't say to your commanding officer, it's cold, I don't want to go out there now. Get out there. You're a soldier, you're not a baby. Moses does that. Oh, listen, he can turn bitter things sweet. In fact, I have found some of the worst things that people can do to you, what the devil meant for evil, God can turn around and work it for good and bring blessing to your life. So now... We learned that. Just because you're going through hard times doesn't mean God isn't with you. Look at me. Just because it's painful doesn't mean the Lord isn't with you. He said at the end of Matthew, Lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. The sign of maturity is to not go by what you see or feel, but to stand on God's word. The Lord is with me. It hurts what he said or she said or did. Mm. But you can rob a lot of things from me, but you can't rob me from my Lord. Look what Romans says. Look, look at that verse. That's, is that not a beautiful verse? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble 
or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. Look how the early leaders talked, early leaders of Christianity. We face death all day long, the threat of it. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Ah, but no, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am convinced, read it with me, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, clap, clap, clap. Nothing can separate us. All the glory of your presence. So then, all right, desert trouble. Water disappointment, it's bitter, but God changed it for them. Then God led them to a place called Elam, and it was nice. Five star, palm trees, water, oh yeah. God, keep me here forever. No, I got a journey for you. And I'll give you times and seasons of Elam, but then there's going to be testings and trials. But don't look at what you see. Look up and know that I'm leading you and guiding you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. My dear brother, my dear sister, can I encourage you today? The Lord is with you. I don't care if it hurts. The Lord is with you. Please dry that tear and say thank you, Jesus, for being with me through this. I'm going through it right now with my family, with my children, with my finances, with satanic attacks. I'm going through it. Somehow you've permitted it, but I'm not going to be a baby and cut and run. I'm not going to complain and throw a tantrum. I am going to lift my arms and I am going to worship you and praise you despite what I feel, despite what I'm going through. Babies are, spiritual babies are like this. I feel good, I praise. I don't feel good, I ain't praising. Oh, no. When you fix it, God, then I'll praise you. I don't want to be that way. I only want to grow up and be really mature. Be worshiping God in the middle, like, like Paul and Silas. They're in prison, just got whooped half to death, and at midnight, hallelujah. They could have said, when we signed up to be apostles, we did not think taking a beating and thrown in prison was part of the thing. No, they knew. God permitted it. Praise God, it's only for a little season. Soon we're gonna be with him anyway. It's all gonna end. You know that, right? Life is a vapor, like this. Look, your life, that's your life, right there like that, compared to eternity with Christ. But I wanna grow up so that I can praise him in the middle of it. When the mud is being thrown at me or when, I don't know, the water's bitter, people let you down, uh, you're going through a time of testing, like demonic demons have been let loose from hell to attack you, and I mean, God, where are you? Where am I? Where I always said I would be. I would never leave you, no forsake you. That's where I am. Just look behind you. Goodness and mercy are gonna follow you all the days of your life. So I wanna encourage you today. You going through it? Anybody going through like a, just a hard time right now in life? Stand up right where you are. Just stand up. That's it. Well, I'm going to be honest. Anybody going through major 
let down from somebody, pain. I mean, like bitter. Just stand. That's it. Maybe the rest of us are in Elam. Praise God. Praise God in Elam, but praise God when you're going through these things too. Hey, listen, it's just a season. It's not going to last forever. I'll tell you what's going to last forever. You're going to be with Christ forever. But all of those of you that are standing in the balcony and downstairs, come on up. Come on up to the front. That's all we, I want to do. I want to pray over you. You know, every eye closed. They're running the marathon this morning. Those of you watching, we got a double whammy today. We got Change of Clock and, and the New York City Marathon, which just tears up the whole city. But those people running that marathon, they don't run 100 yards or a mile and then say, well, I'm done. They got to run the whole thing. And sometimes they'll get a cramp. They'll get thirsty. They don't stop and say, wow, I didn't think this was involved in all this. No, they know. When you run a marathon, there's not only the joy of the finish, there's the difficulty sometimes along the road. But Jesus will always be with us. Do you hear me? Jesus will never leave me or forsake me. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. And even if you try to get away, he'll chase you. Come on, we're here today because he followed us. Put his arms around us. He did not die on the cross, raise up from the dead so that he would now let us be destroyed by some circumstance of life. So don't believe that. It's a cursed lie. He didn't bring him out of Egypt so he'd kill him in the desert. No, he's going to bless you. He's going to help you today. Lord, I preach this for only one reason, and you know my heart. I want to be an encouragement to your precious people. Because God, Christ, you were here on earth. You're touched by our infirmities. You're our great high priest. You know what it is to be hated, rejected, let down. You even got thirsty and had to ask a woman at the well for water. So you know what everyone's going through. Just keep reminding us that you're there, always there for us. Nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing, no demon, no anything can separate us from your love. Help us to be mature believers who rejoice all the time, not just when the sun is shining. We want to grow. We want to be pleasing to you. Let your blessing be upon your people. Let your face shine on us all day today. And remind us all the time during the day. Keep reminding us, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Just keep teaching us that, Lord, so that we can grow in our faith. Thank you for the best congregation in the whole world. I thank you for the privilege that the pastors and I have of serving here. Bless us now. Bless the 50s fellowship. Bless the food they're going to have. Bless the Welcome Center people. Bless the offering as they leave. Just bless everything in Jesus' name. And Lord, fill us with love because there's so much hate out there that we can't read the newspaper. We can't even go on the phone. Help us to love all people, all colors, all backgrounds. Even people who are mean to us, help us to love them, Lord, because you set that example. Help us now to love one another in Jesus' name. 
amen. Turn around and hug somebody. Brothers, hug a few brothers. Sisters, hug a few sisters.